Welcome to the Freight Broker Bootcamp audio experience, and I'm your host, Dennis Brown. So listen, today I'm interviewing the gentleman on the screen here. His name is Desmond Clark. He went from being an NFL star to starting and growing a million dollar plus freight brokerage. So Desmond, welcome to, welcome to the show. Again, I appreciate you having me on, man. And this is exciting. I know um, a lot of people look at me as, as that celebrity, but then I look at Dennis Brown as, man, that's Dennis Brown over there because <laughs> you were, you were that one of those people that I look to to learn this business when I was just studying it and was getting interested in it before I committed to it. So I appreciate you doing everything that you do for, for everybody who's in this industry. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate it. So why don't you give us a little bit of a quick intro, you know, talk a little bit about how you got into the NFL and then mm -hmm. um, and then what you've done post NFL. Yeah, so most people know me from my NFL days playing 12 years in the league. Grew up in Lakeland, Florida, right down the street from um, Orlando, here where I live at now. I had the wonderful opportunity to go from Kathleen High School to Wake Forest University, where I was a student athlete. Left Wake Forest University as all-time leading receiver after a lot of hard work, uh, a lot of summers, and a lot of winter workouts. I uh, was drafted into the uh, NFL as a six-round uh, draft pick to the two-time world champion Denver Broncos. So I came at the end of the glory days. Never had played tight end before in my life, and and then I had to transition to that position with the best team in the world. So that was a challenge for me. But after, you know, going through camp and actually having someone to reorganize my thought process about how I challenged myself and look at myself in that in the NFL, I actually made it 12 years off of one piece of advice that I hope we get to talk about um, a little bit. But then after the game, you know, now what am I going to do? I wasn't one of those persons that, that had a plan. So I got into real estate and it was brief. And then I, I spent like eight years in the um, financial arena while I was a financial advisor. And then I kind of grew out of that and wanted to do something to make an impact like you're talking about, Dennis. So I started speaking and I started coaching, leadership coaching full time in 2019 as I transitioned out of what I was doing in the financial industry. And then you caught me, Dennis, in this, <laughs> in this logistics world caught me. And now you guys got me trapped in this logistics, logistics world, which I was introduced to in 2021. Study, study, study to make sure that I wanted to do this because I felt like the next thing that I do, I need to go 100% and, and really commit to it, grow some roots in it and make it happen. And I'm here today and the roots are growing and we're making it happen. Yeah. And your first year, just to tease everybody, your first year in the business since really just starting the business with really no experience you did over a million dollars in sales. Absolutely. And yeah, no, no experience, just a, just some coaching, right? Just a little yeah. bit of coaching. I never worked a job in this, but I studied it and I felt like this is something that I could be good at. And in short order, yeah, we, we made it happen. Um, it hasn't even been a year yet. Yeah. I remember you telling me that it's only, it's coming up on your year anniversary here in no, the next you know week what? or so. Today is a year. Today's I a year. It, I thought it May 1st. Oh my God. That's amazing. And, and one thing I think you forgot to mention in the meantime of doing the NFL career and then the financial advising and now this, you also wrote a book, didn't you? Yeah, I, I did write a book and I got it right here in front of me, Principles of Winning, man. I took all of those experiences, the good and the bad, because it was it was really after the Super Bowl when I started thinking, we lost the Super Bowl, but I started thinking, how did I get to where I come from, to, to where I'm at now? How did all that happen? And that kind of started me thinking about all the lessons that I learned when I lost. Why did I lose when I when I won? Why did I win? And it all became this this 
motivational speech that I used to give. And then in 2019, when I went full time as a motivational speaker, you know, I wrote the book so it'll be out there. So it's not just coming from my mouth. People can actually read it. Love it. Where can people get the book? I mean, is it on Amazon? Is it it's in on the Amazon? Great. Absolutely. Love it. So, Check it out on Amazon. That's awesome. I, I'm going to get a copy myself. I truly appreciate it. All, all right. right awesome. Good read, Dennis. All right. I, I love it. And maybe we'll have you back on here in a future date to really kind of maybe pull that book apart. Today, we want to focus in on kind of post NFL and kind of your whole freight broker journey. Okay. So that's what we're mm -hmm. going to talk about. So we've already determined that you started your freight brokerage May of last year. So it's been, a, it's been a year. You said exactly a year today, which is amazing. We didn't really coordinate this this way, but no. it just kind of worked out. So tell me, first of all, why freight brokerage? I mean, of all the businesses, you know, real estate and financial advising, and you could have went into technology, you could have went into anything, the insurance business, whatever, right? You could have got caught up in the crypto craze and the NFT thing and all these things, but you chose freight brokerage. Why? Tell me why. I think to, to get into the freight brokerage business, you have to have the right type of makeup. This is not for everybody. The thing that I loved about Agreed. it is, is the hustle of it, right? Every day, you're doing the same thing, but you're doing it with different people. I, I like to say you're doing the same thing, but you're doing something different every day. And the, the processes that you have to build in this business is something that just gravitated uh, me towards this business. And the fact that it's freight brokering. It's not going anywhere. This is the business that's going to be around forever. You know, we, we have to get our products. We have to get our food. We have to get um, construction materials. Stuff has to move and somebody has to move it. So why not me? So those are some of the things that really brought me to it. And, and I can't lie either, Dennis. If you do it well, you can make a little bit of change doing this business if you do it, if you do it well. So let's not 100%. let's not forget about that part. And let's not shy away from it. Yeah, 100 percent. I like to tell people, you know, there's two ways you can start a business. There's two different types of businesses. You can dig for gold or you can sell the shovels. And the logistics business is more like the shovels business, right? The gold rush in California back in the whatever 1800s, the real people who made money were the people that were selling the shovels, right? And so I consider this to be like one of those types of businesses. And, you know, it was very good to me. I was very blessed and it looks like those blessings are going on to you as well as many of my other students. So yeah, I think I think there's, um, everybody has a different reason, but but I think that's one of the things that attracted me to freight brokerage and it sounds like it's similar for you. No, absolutely. I've done real estate and I've done all the stuff in the financial industry. This right here, I believe is one of those, one of those industries that when you have like a, a service mentality and a hustle and like if you really want to build a true company, if you are people's first type of, of a person, you know, now if you can get your people that's working with you to get up to that standard of excellence day in and day out, man, there's nothing better than that. And not just with, with what you're doing at, at the job, but who they are as people. And that's kind of how I built my business. I built my business through people and trying to make sure that those people have that standard of excellence every day. They have that process of greatness down where they're pursuing doing things the right way all the time, just as a person. Yeah, I love that. That culture inside your business from startup, most startup founders and early entrepreneurs don't think about that culture, which is really kind of what you're talking about, which is those things that are baked into your business that are just absolutely required. You know, some of those, some of those, the goals and some of the mm -hmm. things that you really just, everybody has to be in line there. So no, I appreciate you taking the time to do that because that that's really important. It will pay huge, huge dividends later as you start to grow because you won't experience the same level of turnover as a lot of people of not only your staff, but also of your customers. So there's, I, I, I appreciate 
appreciate that you addressing that early on and recognizing that. Okay, quick question. Your first year, you did a little over about a million dollars in sales. Tell us about what niche have you decided to pursue? Or did you niche down? Are you kind of, have you kind of spread it out? Where have you found your success? And talk to us a little bit about that. Right. So it's, it's just been recently over the last two months that I've really been looking for that niche, right? Uh, before it's just, hey man, let's just get some freight in here and get some revenue. Cash flow. Um, but just over the last couple of month, months, we've really been focusing on the state of Florida. Okay. And, and, and I look at it like this. You know, you, you got a needle and you got the eye of the needle and you got to put the thread through the needle and putting that thread through the needle is Florida. Right. And then from that, once we get those relationships, now we can pull that thread through to all the other states. But first, we want to dominate the state of Florida with what we do um, with flatbeds, vans. And then we are also moving into the dredge market and warehousing also. So we want to be that total service provider for anybody that's bringing containers in the state of Florida. And that's where we're putting all of our energy. And that's where we, like I said, we want to be dominant. And then from there, we can grow those relationships outside of the state. So is the majority of your freight outbound out of Florida or inbound? So first is, is inbound off the ship and then it's outbound um, once you On go the from the warehouse. Yep. Gotcha. Once okay. From the warehouse to the final destination. Gotcha. Okay, good. All right, cool. All right. So tell me, tell us a quick story about how you got your first shipper, how you started moving your first load. Cause I re I still remember mine. I remember the name of the company. I remember how much I paid, how much the load was. I remember all that. Right. And even though that was, geez, that was a really long time ago. Um, yeah. Almost 20 years ago. Right. So tell us about your first time. Tell us how you got your first shipper. Yeah. So the, the person that gave me my first, first load, load her name is Christy Walner from Synchro, uh, USA Synchro, and it was for $2,800. <laughs> so I will never forget. And then like two days later, she gave me another load for $2,500. So I made $5,300, and those, those are my first two loads. But it was nerve-wracking because I was gone for like three, four weeks then as of just calling, 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 you know, getting hung up on, not knowing what the heck I'm talking about either. <laughs> and, right. And just trying to figure it out and then just studying. Okay, well, I got hung up on when I said that, so maybe I should go a different direction. And when when I finally got uh, Chrissy on on the call and she was like, oh, this is perfect timing. We do have a load that we need to to get out. And the fact that I played with the Chicago Bears and, and I found a connection with her because she was a Chicago Bear fan and she gave me that 30 seconds to just connect with her, That what that's what made it all happen. She didn't know that I was a newbie. She didn't know that this was my first time shipping a load. Right. I came back and I told her this like seven, eight months later. Um, but once I got it and she said, yes, Dennis, that's when all the pressure hit. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, okay, I got it. Now what? What do I do now? Yeah, be careful what you ask yes. for. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, so that was that story after three or four weeks of just calling. Somebody gave me 30 seconds and then I connected with them. And then we got a chance to talk for two to five more minutes. And then it was like, okay, yes, I got a load for you. Love it. So you were doing a lot of outbound cold calling mm -hmm. and you were getting the normal sales rejection. You know, people are just hanging up on you and or not giving you a whole lot of time and you felt rushed and you weren't quite sure. But what I like about what you said was you were methodical about noting in your mind or maybe even jotting it down what was working and what wasn't. And then you were making adjustments 
Just like in football, right? I mean, right. just like in football, you know, you're playing up against a guy and he's crushing you, you and you notice something, you got to make adjustments, right? So you made those adjustments, you got on this conversation. And then the other part of what I really love about what you said was you used, you didn't say, hey, I'm going to save you a whole bunch of money or, hey, I'm the greatest freight broker in the world. You found something you had in common with them, which was mm-hmm. football, right? She's a Chicago Bears fan. Um, you know, you were a Chicago bear. I mean, how much better can you get than that? Right. So, I mean, those are a couple little nuances that I don't want people to skip over. You have to understand as you join this business, you are going to have to learn to sell. Don't be that afraid of it because trust me, if I can do it, you can do it. I was the worst salesperson they'd ever hired in the history of sales when I started sales back in the early nineties. But I promise you, you can figure it out just like Desmond and just like I did. But I think you, um, I really love those two little nuances. I don't want to skip over that. Yeah. And and I think people just got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable because when I, when I, when I say that I was studying a, a lot of the things I was studying myself a lot because I would notice myself getting to a certain point in the conversation where I would start getting uncomfortable, where I would start stuttering. Well, I, you know, if somebody asked me a question, I would start, uh, uh, well, uh, and then I said to myself, man, in these situations, right, be comfortable, take a deep breath, talk slower, have command. You know, it was a lot of things like that that I was just noticing about myself because my scripting was good. It was just me. It was just who I was at that moment. And I had to make those tweaks and make those adjustments to myself in order to be able to deliver a good script that somebody felt confident to even give me the time of day. All right. So let's talk about this now. How did you feel after that first load delivered? Um, I felt like a million bucks, man. So it worked. It worked. It worked. Yes. $5,300 for those two loads. Cause she gave me my second load before my first load delivered. Love it. Um, and I paid five thousand to carriers. Right. So, so I made three hundred dollars, and I was like, "Hell yeah!" Yeah. <laughs> like it's 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 on now. It's the proof of concept because it's the old thing, right? If I can do it once today, I can do it once every day. And if I can do it once every day, I can do it twice every day. And you know, that's how it starts. I mean, my first year or my first month in brokerage, I think I moved 12 loads. It took me two weeks or so to get my first shipper. I only moved 12 loads. And then the next month we moved 20 loads. And then the next month we moved like 30 something. And it just kept snowballing like that. And it was slow progress. But you know what the key is, Once you have that confidence, the hardest part of this whole business, I will tell you, the hardest part of this whole business is just moving that first load. Once you get past that, you know, you're going to stand taller. You're going to speak with more confidence. Everything's going to feel better once you get past that first load. I just got chills because I still remember, you know, coming from somebody who never was a truck driver, never had any of that experience. When I got my first load, man, after it delivered, I didn't say anything till it delivered. But once it delivered, man, I was excited. I was, you, I was ready. Were you, were you on pins and needles the whole time? Oh yes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, like, did I that, do this right? Did I, did I, did, am I tracking it right? Did I put it in DAT the right way? Right. Did, I get a, did I get a good carrier? I mean, you're questioning everything until that thing actually delivers and they send back that POD. And I was like, you can breathe easy. Yeah, I love it. No, it's great. That's why one of the reasons why I love these interviews, because it kind of brings me back to those early days. And those early days, man, you can't replace the feeling 
of having that sort of momentum and growth and the things that you're going through. I, in a lot of ways, I'm jealous, right? Because you, you just got to go through it. So I'm living vicariously through you. So, all right, a couple other questions here. So we know you're niching down and you're doing drayage in Florida, a lot of Florida outbound freight. So we talked about your first shipper that came through cold calling and you built some good rapport there. Let's talk about this. I mean, along the way, this is one of the things that people really struggle with, right? They're afraid to make mistakes. They're mm -hmm. afraid to fail. Mm -hmm. They're afraid to do something wrong, right? They're afraid of what people might think of them or whatever, you know, limiting beliefs they have in their head. It's usually some sort of fear, right? So I'm assuming much like myself, you made some mistakes, mm -hmm. right? I know I made some mistakes. I know I made mistakes yesterday, <laughs> let alone, you know, um, 20 years ago when I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Talk to us about maybe one or two of those mistakes that you made that, and maybe some of the lessons you've learned from those mistakes. Cause I think that's really will help build the confidence of some of the people that are listening today. Yeah. Um, I have one in particular that just jumped out to me. Um, I was actually moving freight forward, Grabuta Weiss, this huge freight forwarder. And um, they were one of my first customers. And I had this California load. It was $1,500, but they had to deliver it at the airport. And you know, at the airport, you need the Twit car. You got yep. special times that you could be in there. And this was my first time ever taking a load with these type of restrictions um, on it. And I gave the guy the wrong time to be there. And when he got there, it was closed. It was the last, it was the last free day, LFD. Yep, Everybody yep. will learn that. It was yep. the last free day for for that to, for that package to be picked up. So now they got fined. And when they told me that they got fined, I mean, I could have peed on my leg because I didn't understand what all that meant. Right. Um, but from that $1,500 uh, payoff that I got, I think I paid the, the truck driver like $1,400 because I was just trying to get it covered. Right. And then they had to pay an extra 600 and something odd dollars that now I had to pay back to them. So now I'm in the red, like 600, $600. And I could have cried that because I'm just, this was like my in between 10 and 15 loads. Yep. And it was just because I didn't understand what I was doing and I, and I didn't communicate it properly to that truck driver. But you know what? I never made that mistake again. And I don't think I will ever make that mistake again. I don't think any of my guys will ever make that mistake because I already made it. For, for me, Dennis, it's like, it's okay to be scared. It's okay to have fear. Be okay with having fear because that fear is just telling you there's danger. Be on high alert. Make sure that you dot all your I's and cross all your T's. So embrace that when you're feeling nervous about something. Just bring it on in. Yeah, I'm nervous about it. But what am I actually nervous about that I need to be paying attention to? Just so you guys understand, in the drayage industry, okay, when you're doing drayage freight, he mentioned last free day, LFD, right? Their shippers can be fined and, and have additional charges if the provider doesn't pick up and also doesn't deliver on time, right? So there's some deadlines there that can cost you extra money. Now that's a nuance that's very specific to the drayage industry. Now, if you're just moving van loads or flatbed loads or reefer loads, typically th those things don't exist, right? You've got a lot more flexibility in picking up and delivering depending upon what your shipper's requirements are. But if you deliver something an hour or two or a day late, yeah, it's not good and it's a service failure, but at the end of the day, you know, you're not going to get dinged, you know, a five or $600 fine because no, of that. No, no. So that's a nuance to drayage. It's a, it's a hard lesson to learn. It's something that Desmond learned and it's something that everybody in that industry, I don't know one person took the drayage niche and went forward with it that didn't run into that sometime early in their career. 
and then they learn from it. And then from there, they make sure they dot their I's, cross their T's. They make sure that they're really ahead of the game so that they don't run into that. And and you know what? Here's the reality. Here's the funny part. The reality is, even though that happened to Desmond and he lost 500 bucks, I can almost guarantee you, and I've never had the conversation with him about this before, because he made sure that, number one, it did finally get delivered. And number two, he did pay them back that fine money. They continued to do business with him. (laughs) And the lifetime value of that client is probably worth tens of thousands of dollars a year, right? For him in profit. And so that small fine still was a great cost of doing business. It's a learning lesson. But at the end of the day, the lifetime value of that shipper is worth more than the results of any one load. So he did what he had to do to make sure that that customer was happy at the end of the day. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and he went went on from there. Can I interject something else to that? Yeah, please. It's about communication. Everybody understands in this industry, stuff is going to happen. I just Friday, I had I had a truck that got into an accident. We couldn't deliver on time. But if you communicate and you just be honest with people, they get it. They get it. But you never want to just go to people with a problem. If you have a problem, you want to communicate the problem, but you also want to communicate what you're doing about it the solution that you have in mind to make them feel better. Okay, that happened, but here's what I'm doing. And then I will check back in with you in an hour to give you an update. And I believe when, when you operate like that, people feel better about who they have moving their freight. Yeah. I've found that, you know, you, I agree with you hundred percent, you know, people in the logistics industry and especially shippers understand that, you know, it's the old adage, right? Shit happens and it does happen. Here's the thing. What you have to do is take ownership. Yes. Right. You have to take ownership of that mistake, even if it wasn't your fault. Maybe the driver screwed up. Maybe there was things outside of your control. You still have to take ownership of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't say, oh, the driver screwed up or the, the loader screwed up or whatever. Don't cast it onto somebody else. Once you take ownership of it, typically shippers are going to stop screaming at that point and they're going to start focusing on the relationship. But when you start pushing it to other people, all of a sudden, now they think you're, you're BSing them. They think you're lying. You lose trust. You lose, they lose faith in you. And then even after you deliver that load, they may not give you another one because they, you've lost trust. Most people, I talk about this a lot. Most people think the number one objection in this business is price. It's not. The number one objection in this business is trust. Because I don't care how cheap you are. If you they don't trust you, they're not going to give it to you. So you don't want to break that trust, okay? So anything else you want to add on that, Desmond? Yeah, man. Trust is, in that book that I showed you, uh, The Principles of Winning, Yeah. The number one principle is all you have is your name and your word. And that's about building trust with people. And if you can do that, people can look over the inevitable mistakes or mishaps, as long as that they trust that you got their best interest in mind. So build your name build your word. That means basically build your brand on things that are real that people can trust in. Love it. Perfect. So tell us, so you've got a, you're starting to hire people now. You've got a little bit of a team. I want to pivot into, into mm-hmm. a little bit about the current business and what you see maybe, you know, in the next year or two, what your goals are there. And then, um, and then we'll probably jump into some Q and a after that. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I have a team of five people now. We have a, a, a carrier rep. We, we have, um, we have two salespeople that we're developing now. And also we have our um, customer, our customer rep. We just mm-hmm. deal with the customers. So I'm really excited about where we're at. So you're about to scale. You're trying to ramp up here. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially with the sales side of everything. Because yeah. when I came into it, I didn't have a focus on 
just having someone out there selling. So now, hey, we, we have two people that's all, all they're doing is selling. And all we're doing is, hey, they're making the calls. We're analyzing, hey, you made a thousand calls over the last seven, eight days. What's the feedback? What are we getting? What do we need to, to change things up? Are we getting the amount of leads that we're expecting? If we're not, then, you know, what do we need to do different? We're just trying to optimize our sales staff to be experts at what they do and, and drive leads to our customer reps now that they can go back and close on those leads. So I'm, I'm very, very excited about that because that's something that we didn't have before. That's going to drive our revenue and drive our opportunity. So, yeah, um, it's scary uh, at the same time because you're talking about making mistakes. At the beginning of this year, Dennis, I ended last year and it's like, oh, man, I'm at $100,000 of revenue for three straight months. All we need to do is plug and play. Right. And then I, I hired four people two of them being producers, without really vetting them, without really, you know, doing my due diligence, thinking it was just going to happen, right? And it didn't happen. And the, and the most hurtful part of that for me was having to let go of the two that were not income producing positions because the two income producing positions didn't produce. I learned from that. Um, and I said, okay, how do we actually scale this thing the right way? I got to studying and I said, okay, this is a model that we can use. And so now we're knee deep, I'm knee deep into that model of training the guys and, and making sure that we become excellent salespeople to feed the organization the leads and, and the opportunity that we need. I love it. A couple of things I took from that. Number one, you know, even though your business was making money and profitable, you know, you didn't just stick all that money in your pocket. You decided to reinvest that month, some of that money into the business to see growth and sustainability and those sorts of things that you're looking for, right? So you took some of that money because this is a huge mistake I see a lot of young entrepreneurs making or first time freight brokers making in that start making a little bit of money and all of a sudden that money finds a home everywhere except the business, right? Yeah. They start buying houses and they start going on vacations and they start getting cars and they start spending it everywhere. And I get it. I did it. When I first started making money, I did it. I blew a lot of money on dumb shit. But here's the thing. When you have a business, you have responsibility, not only to that business, but also the people that work for that business. So you've got to take that responsibility as first and foremost, right? So you got to make sure you're reinvesting into that business. The other thing I took from that is what you will all experience hiring doesn't come natural. I was terrible at hiring when I first started. I thought I knew what I was doing and I made all those mistakes and turnover can be very expensive. Mm -hmm. Very. So if very expensive because it's not only the what you're paying them, it's to replace them and the lost revenue in the meantime, right? So there's opportunity costs there. So, you know, learning how to hire, this is why a lot of freight brokers will stop at about a million dollars in sales because they can never ever successfully pull off the hiring. But here's the cool part. Once you learn how to hire, onboard and train some of your first employees to go from a million to 5 million, can happen that fast, right? right? It can happen that fast. Once you bring on your first few successful employees, it can happen real quick. So I know you're in the middle of that now and you're going through those lessons and it sounds like you've overcome some of those hurdles. So I'm excited for you. Hey, listen, is there anything else you want to add before we jump into some Q&A? Yeah. Um, and, I, and I know you have a ton of people out there that's just getting into it that, or that want to get into it. Even though you don't maybe have all the know-how, have confidence, have confidence. Even when you make the mistakes, never lose that confidence because once you lose that confidence, that's when it's, it's going to hurt the most. Even with the mistakes, 
know that you're good enough, know that you have the ability to study, you know, you have the ability to, to make uh, form relationships to get it done. And if you didn't, you wouldn't even pursue this. Keep your confidence high. Make sure that you're listening to stuff that's going to feed, feed your brain and feed your emotions to keep yourself uplifted every day because there are some hard days in this industry. Let's not let's not mistake it, but um, there are some really, really good days also. Hey, listen, I know you do some things online, particularly on LinkedIn. Let everybody know how they can connect with you on LinkedIn. And I think you do a Motivational Monday, don't you? I do. Um, every Monday I do what's called Motivational Monday. It's one of those things I understand that I need good stuff. So I like to talk good stuff. So every Monday, 1030 uh, Eastern time, me and my partner, we get on there for about 10 or 15 minutes and just get somebody that that shot of energy just to get them going for the week, just to start the week off right on a high note. And hopefully that can push you all the way through that week. And um, my name is Desmond Clark and you find me, you can find me right there on LinkedIn. Yeah, let's search on LinkedIn, Desmond Clark. I'm sure NFL and his he's gonna come right to the top of yeah. the yeah, because he's you know he's got that in his in his title. So awesome. Listen, hey, listen, thank you everybody for joining me. Truly appreciate it. And Desmond, thank you so much for being here. But listen, if you're curious about becoming a freight broker or a freight agent, and you're sick and tired of trying to scrap all the pieces together on YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and Google, and you're looking for a system, something that you can walk through A to Z, check out FreightBrokerBootCamp.com. I've trained over 10,000 students. Uh, I've started my brokerage back in 03, did over $200 million in sales as a freight broker. And we offer a 60-day, 100% unconditional money-back guarantee. Nobody else does that. So try it for 60 days. If you're not happy, send us an email. We'll send 100% of your money back. So, hey, thanks for tuning in today. I'm humbled that you allowed me to be a part of your day. Now subscribe to the podcast so we can do this more often. And for those of you that take the next 15 to 30 seconds to rate and review the podcast, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. And who knows, maybe we'll give you a shout out on a future episode.